Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. The word of God from today's epistle found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where St. Paul writes, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is God's word. How many of you have ever heard of recency bias? That is a phrase, thank you, Aiden, I appreciate you offering. Aiden's heard of it at least, thank you. Recency bias is a term that has developed in recent years to describe how things in the present moment, that which is recent, overwhelm and overshadow our memory of the past. Here is an example of how this might happen. Patrick Mahomes is clearly the greatest quarterback that has ever played the game. How do we even know such a thing? And does he actually stack up to Montana? No, right, Jim? So. Unitas. Players of the past. Does he even stack up to Tom Brady? Of course not. Brady went to Michigan. He's the best ever. How can we even answer such a question? But what we see in our present moment captivates us and overwhelms our ability to look at that which happened in the past. Or, for example, we might say what we're going through right now, here in this present moment, is far more terrible, far more unimaginable than anything that has come before it. The state of our world today is clearly worse than it's ever been. Well, maybe worse than in your memory. Or maybe not. But certainly, there have been bad times in the world. We've had pandemics. We've had division. We've had political division and bickering and infighting among people. The attacks on the church today are the the worst thing ever. Hardly. Though it might seem increasingly hard to confess the name of Jesus and biblical truth in a world filled with sexual depravity of every sort, drag queen story hours, and all sorts of wickedness and evil that we can even hardly begin to imagine. Friends in Jesus, these things are not new. They are not. 
And so I invite you to think about St. Paul, who wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, we'll say about 25 years after Jesus had died and risen from the grave and ascended into heaven. About 25 years after that, Paul wrote to a church that he had helped to plant in the city of Corinth in modern-day Greece. And the problems that plagued the people of God in that day, they ought to sound familiar. You could go into a temple of one of the Greek gods, a goddess. You could pay a temple prostitute to do with a prostitute what you do with a prostitute, and that would be considered worship of one of the Greek gods. You had eunuchs who castrated themselves to show their devotion to their lords and masters. You had famine and drought, economic inequality. You even had division among the people of God. We think we're so divided as God's people today. Do you think they were any different 2,000 years ago? Indeed, even among the Jews, you had Pharisees and Sadducees and Essenes and Hellenists. And now you had these Christians, these Jews who were proclaiming Christ to be their Messiah. They were divided then. The people are divided now. This is not new. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, from which we heard our epistle today, reminds the Corinthians exactly how he came into their midst and what equipped him to speak to a world so turbulent as it frankly always is. I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You might be a bit surprised to know that St. Paul was not a very good public speaker. Think on that. The greatest missionary who ever lived, who ever walked this earth, was not a great rhetorical speaker. He was not a captivating personality. He says in our text, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Paul, definitely a gifted writer by the aid of the Holy Spirit, but not a gifted speaker. He describes how he was with fear and trembling. He came to Corinth. All Paul had to deliver was Christ crucified. Because it was all he needed. 
word of the cross of Jesus Christ was specifically the word that was needed in Corinth nearly 2,000 years ago. And in this current age in which we live, what is it that God gives us for this moment? What is it that will equip us to faithfully speak the word of God in this age of craziness? Nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is no gimmick. There is no program that the church can develop. There is no tactic that we can try to adopt. All that will allow us to be the church in this present age is Christ crucified. Nothing but the cross. Because its message is timeless. Its message is the focus of Holy Scripture from its very beginning to its very end. From Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, and the Lord God said to the serpent that the one born of woman, the seed of the woman, would crush the serpent's head even as the serpent struck at his heel. That was Jesus and his cross. You go to the end of your Bible, the book of Revelation, where how is Jesus depicted in Revelation? He is a lamb that looked as though he had been slain. From cover to cover, the cross of Jesus Christ is what weaves through the word of God, is what has been God's plan for his people, even from before its creation. Even before creating this world in which we live now, with all of its brokenness and hurt and struggle and pain, the Lord God had in mind that the Son would take on the cross and deliver us. Though it sound simplistic, though it sound too simple to be true, The message that you need, that I need, and that everyone around us needs is nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Oh, don't get me wrong. There are all other messages I love to hear. I love hearing a message that one of my children has done well in school, that one of them made an honor roll or dean's list. I love hearing that message. I love hearing a message that tells me Michigan finally beat Ohio State and then beat them again the next year. That's a great message to hear, isn't it? Well, for me it is. I love hearing a message that at the end of paying all our bills, there's a little bit extra money left over than we thought that there was going to be. Hey, that's a great message to hear, isn't it? There's probably messages you like to hear as well that captivate your attention, that steal your focus away. But the message that must permeate above all, what I need to hear more than anything else, what you need 
more than any other message, what the world needs right now, more than any other message, is nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We have already been given exactly what we need for this moment. Our Lord Jesus came in our gospel, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he gathered multitudes before him. He held before them the commands of the Lord God, and he said to them, You cannot neglect them, you cannot relax them. The one who does is the least in the kingdom. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus did in that sermon was prepare those hearers for his cross. We often think of the Pharisees as these sort of biblical bad guys, right? They were doing all kinds of bad things. Well, that's not how the people viewed them. Jesus says, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. And a first century Jew would have heard that and said to themselves, who can be more righteous than a scribe or a Pharisee? These were the professional religious people. These were the people who knew all of the law and all of the traditions and supposedly kept them perfectly. And here comes Jesus and he says, No, you must be more righteous than that. Only one is. The one who goes to the cross to be our righteousness. The one who takes your sin, your guilt, your shame, all of mine, all of the world's upon his body and pays for it all in his blood. He is your righteousness. That's why at the end of the day, what is left for us to do other than look upon the cross of Jesus Christ, him who is crucified. The message that is pertinent and needed and relevant for this moment, it's always been the message. word of God that shows you how unrighteous you are. And in that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus would go and describe the Ten Commandments in such a way that he would leave everyone there realizing, he leaves all of us realizing we are idolaters, we are adulterers, we are thieves, we are greedy, we are broken, we are Failing the word of God in every way possible. 
How can you be more righteous than the Pharisees? Only by looking on the cross where Jesus is righteous for you. Paul, despite his ineffectiveness as a speaker, despite his fear and trembling, went to a city in a crazy world with the good news of the cross. My speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul had a message that demonstrated the spirit and the power of God. What power exists here in this place among these people, you and me, because that word has never left us. Christ is crucified for the sins of the world. Christ is righteous to be our righteousness. Christ is holy to make us holy. Thanks be to God for that powerful word, the only word that endures to this day. Thanks be to God that when Christ was crucified, he became your righteousness. He remains that forever and ever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.